So did you have something happen to you this last week that was kind of random and negative, bad? Once in a while, I'll have something just out of the blue happens, and I have this conversation with God. What was that all about? Because if, if we believe that God's sovereign, He created the earth, He knows me, He knows the past, He knows the future, and, and God is in control of everything, that's usually where I go to ask my questions. <laughs> and some things I just can't make any sense of. You know, I try to think, okay, God's working some good out of this, but I try to connect all the dots possible in my mind, and I can't come up with anything that ends up good. <laughs> Have you ever had that happen? And those can be small things or big things. Now, if, it, if they happen, a lot of them in a row, <laughs> then you ask a bigger question, Lord, what is going on with my life? What is the purpose of my life? What is the purpose of my existence? And I think for most of us, we'll, we'll come to points in our lives where we'll, we'll step back and take a, a more thorough evalu- evaluation of, What's, what's my life about? What's, what's really going on? Where, where is this heading? And this question, really, the Apostle Paul addresses in the passage that Jason read. Now, <clears throat> I gave both uh, last week Josh and then Jason this week uh, passages that are really dense. But I would say, I mean, you've got to, you read a line and you got, I got to think about that. I got to think about that. Because Ephesians chapter 1 is so loaded. It is, I mean, you start looking to what that means and and researching that and looking at it, but the overriding theme of this is that God has a purpose and a plan, not only for the world, but for your life. For your life, He has purpose in it. And that purpose is something He wants you to, to find. Now, when we ask about uh, the meaning of life and what's significant in life and what is a successful life, I had um, put up a slide a couple weeks ago on success. How do you define success? And I said, success is finding and fulfilling God's purpose for your life. Success is finding and fulfilling God's purpose for your life. So God does have purpose. He does have a plan. It's something I, I would like to know. <laughs> That's the part that we will sometimes question. And the greatest way to find fulfillment and satisfaction and success is to see that actually played out in my life, or to be able to follow that. In the text this morning in Ephesians 1 And if you go back through this at a later time, you'll notice how many times he talks about the purpose and the plan and the purpose and the plan to be unfolding in your life. It's it's amazing. It's it's a majestic uh, passage of Scripture that Paul is writing to fellow believers in Ephesus, and we think almost 2,000 years ago, but has the same relevance for us today. So this morning, what I would, would like to do is to look just at verse 9, and uh, because this, this is kind of the centerpiece of what I would like to, to say, and then our thoughts develop from this. Making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ. Just that verse, that, that 
That in itself is, is so loaded. He's making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. We've been talking about um, what's God's will? What's God's purpose? And the reason we brought up the subject was we came into the new year and we're thinking, okay, my New Year's resolutions, what am I going to do this year? Some people make them, some people don't. But most people think about it, at least to some degree, what's going to be different in 2018 than what was in 2017? So what are my plans? And, and most of our thoughts centered, are centered around what we're going to do, not about what we're going to be. And my point was this, is God's more concerned about what you are becoming than what you are doing. And when I was in December, I started to realize that in my own life, which really prompted this whole series of discussions that we're having on Sunday mornings, is that, Matt, you know, when you're getting ready for 2018, almost everything you've got on your list there is about what you're going to be doing, not what you are going to be coming. And the purpose that God has in my life to become is like his son, to become like Jesus. And then, and then it started getting a little bit convicting. And I'm thinking, okay, as I look back over 2017, how much more did I become like Jesus? How much more was my life like him? Because that is really the lasting contribution, the lasting value that we bring to this world. It's not what we do. Think of all the buildings we can build and the things we can do and the awards we might achieve and the notoriety we might receive, the bank accounts we might pad. All of that stuff goes away. But the impact that we can have of representing Jesus Christ to people does not. And so how do I find purpose and meaning in my life? And this is what this verse says making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. Now, here's my point, that Jesus Christ is both the model and the means. He is, he is the example. In other words, he says, here is how you do it. He, he came into this world and he lived that kind of life. It, it was so different than the religious leaders. It was so different than scribes and Pharisees and, and uh, the, the religious right or, or the left. He, he was so different. He was unique. And he was the perfect model, example for us. But he's also the means. And he gives us the ability, the supernatural ability, to see that same life formed in us which to me is a great thing uh, to realize. And, and so this morning what I'd like to do is a little different kind of message, is I'd like to, to spring off this thought, because when which is set forth in Christ, where do we go in the Bible to see Jesus' life? We go to the Gospels. There's really one Gospel, but four different accounts from four different people. But this is the story of Jesus. And how is it that he sets this forth, and I started to read through the Gospels again and looking at the life of Christ and how he set this example and then also how he has given us this ability to be able to have that life formed in us. And in the Gospels, 
I see Jesus uh, do this by offering invitations, an invitation. Now, when you think of an invitation, <clears throat> and I think of an invitation, maybe a card, someone invites you to a wedding, they invite you to dinner, they invite you to go to lunch, they invite you over to their home, it's usually good. In fact, I, don't, I can't even think of an invitation as like, well, that's horrible, I don't want to go. That could be <laughs> if you don't want to be with those people. But usually an invitation is something that is, that is good, it's usually free, it's, uh, it's a gesture by someone that's it's very <clears throat> welcoming. And this morning, I, I want to look at four invitations that Jesus makes. And I think this is so amazing because it's not, it's not the, the kind of God, the kind of Jesus that some people think of that, that come just saying something or telling you something but inviting you into his life. That Jesus, the way he approaches you is by invitation. He doesn't beat you over the head. He doesn't drive you with a stick. He's not trying to create fear and make you shake and drive you to a position like a lot of us do in religion. To be honest with you, a lot of us in religion try to, to get people to do what we want them to do by, by fear and intimidation. But Jesus invites you. He invites you. And I think these clarify really his heart and his desire for you to come and live your life with him in relationship. If I were to, to ask you, what, how, do you, how would you define the life with Christ? How would you define living with Christ? Would you say it's by rules and regulations? I'd say no. A thousand times no. Living life with Christ is not about rules and regulations. It's about relationship. Relationship. And yet so much of our way of doing things and understanding things, and so, so much of us have grown up in environments of religion that have been about the rules. I'm not, I'm not against you have rules in your home, you have rules in government. I'm not, I'm not against rules, but the, the core and the heart of Christianity, it's about a relationship with God and Jesus Christ that is personal and that is real. And that is an invitation that He invites you to. He doesn't force it on you. He doesn't drive you to it. He doesn't threaten you. He invites you. The first of these that I'd like to look at is the words, come to me, come to me. And we find them in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jason preached on this last fall. It's such a fantastic text. And it says, Jesus said, he said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Isn't that an amazing verse? Come to me. Now, if we were to take a, 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 an opinion poll here, how many in this room do you think are a little weary and are carrying heavy burdens? Every one of us. And I, and I love that, that Jesus goes right to where we are. He understands our burdens. He feels them. He knows them. He cares. And it's in the heart. You didn't walk in this morning wearing that stuff on your sleeve. Most of us came in, how you doing? I'm doing great, how you doing? You're good. You know, we, we, we got that down pretty well. Now, in a closer confines of a trusted friend, we've got to have places to where we say, you know, it's been a tough week. And you, you've got to have that. 
But this invitation is come to me, come to me. Do you realize that is probably the most simple thing that you could ever do? And the picture that I get is with like a dad sitting on a chair or a grandpa or, or Jesus sitting on a rock saying, have the children come to me. And they run up and hop in his lap and he puts his arms around them. And you know what he said? He said, that's the kingdom of God. And he said, unless the rest of you can become like little children, you'll never see it. That's pretty profound, isn't it? Unless you can be like them and understand the simplicity of coming to me. Come to me. All you who labor and are striving and harassed and working and who are, are, are loaded down with burdens, come to me. Come to me. This will be all right. And it will be all right because this Jesus is God, the creator of the universe, and he loves you more than you'll ever comprehend. And he cares for you. And when you come into his arms, you're safe. You're safe and you're secure and you're loved. That's his invitation. And all it takes on your part is faith, believing, believing. And real faith, if it's, if it's genuine faith, responds with some kind of an action. So if you really believe it, you jump in his arms. I've had many people say to me, can't be that easy. You talk about this salvation. You talk about this eternal life. You talk about going to heaven, that all you have to do is believe. I said, you know, I didn't make this up. If I made it up, I'd probably give you a lot of rules. I mean, it's just the way I am. It's the way we all are. If someone said, well, what do you think we ought to do about allowing people to go to heaven? I think, well, you know what? First of all, they need to do the right thing. They need to be in church. They need to blah, 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 blah. We, we'd, and that's what man does. But what Jesus said is, come to me. You believe. Believe. And for people who are proud, that's hard because they'd rather get it done, prove themselves. There's some people that feel, what you know what, I'm, I'm too much of a sinner. I've sinned too much. I've done too many things. You know, do you realize all the things that I've done? And they, they can't believe that anybody could love them that much. But the biggest problem is not believing, not coming. The simplicity of coming to Jesus. In Matthew 9, 14, we read the story about Jesus with the little children all around and, and all of the adults are trying to get him out of there. You know, you kids, because typically when a bunch of kids come into the room, what do all the adults do? You know, yeah, we figure out, well, we're going to do it with the kids. What are the kids? And, and Jesus says, no, it's about these kids. Let them come to me. And it says, unless you become like this, you'll never get to heaven. That's pretty profound, isn't it? Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He's salvation. He is safety. He is security. He is your hope. He is everything. And he pulls us up to himself and wraps his arms around us like a father does his child, and everything is all right. I'm having a little feedback on this mic. Are you guys hearing that? It's just me. It's just me. Is everybody else okay? All right. If you start going like that, then I'll know. But I'm just getting the <laughs> it's that buzz in my head that's been going for four years now. Um, <laughs> So Jesus says, believe me, trust me, come to me. And the invitation is to come and to believe. And my prayer is this, that every one of you, when he says to that to you, and he does say that to you, come to me. 
Come to me and believe. That's all you need for eternal life. And that's all you need for life. That's all you need for purpose is Jesus. Jesus fulfills all the law. So are there rules and regulations? Yeah, you find them in Exodus. Jesus already fulfilled them. He did that for you. And he died for your sins. And he rose again. And he offers to you eternal life. And the most beautiful, simple thing in all of life are these words come to me. All you who are troubled and burdened down. And I will give you rest. What a great invitation. There's a second invitation. Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee. He comes upon these fishermen and he he says, follow me. So first he said, come to me. Speaking to one crowd, he says here, come follow me. He uses these words, follow. And then he says, I will send you out to fish for people. Come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. And what this means for those fishermen, it was a typical thing for a rabbi. A rabbi or a teacher would choose his students. Students don't get to choose who they want to sit under. The rabbi chooses his teachers. And so this was a common thing in that day, and Jesus did this to these fishermen. But what it meant for them was leaving their nets, leaving their family business of fishing, and living for something more than fish. Did you know that we got to fish, all of us, whether fishing is your business or not. You got to have you got some means of providing an income, and, and God has made us to work. And um, it's not a bad thing, but there's more to it than just the fish. For all of us, the work that you do is uh, important because it keeps you alive, puts a roof over your head, provides food for you to be able to eat, but. As far as really the big, big idea is, is fishing for people. It's, in other words, the value of people. It's not about stuff. It's not about building things so much as it is about people and telling them this good news that, hey, Jesus said, come to me and I'll give you rest about eternal life. You know, when you think about it, if the whole world is lost in their sins and headed to separation from God from eternity to hell, If the whole world is heading that way and you step into the room and say, you know what, Jesus said, he'll give us eternal life. Isn't that the best news you've ever heard? And yet, when I think of telling someone, I start seizing up. I start thinking, how do I I say that? How do I say that? Uh, Well, this is the best news ever. It is the best news ever for everyone. But Jesus is more than just saying, come to me. He says, come follow me which for these fishermen means to leave their nets, to follow him, to attach themselves to him, and to keep in step with him, obey him. Following him means that that basically he's going to leave this place of the Sea of Galilee, and everywhere he goes, they go. And I liken this to, uh, we, we get the word disciple, a person who is a disciple is literally, it means it's a mathetes in the Greek, it means one who follows the teaching. So step by step, Jesus walks this path. I walk this path. He gives his commands. I obey him. It's really a matter of obedience. That in my life, that I not just say that, oh, I believe in Jesus and I'm going to go to heaven, but he's called me to a way of life to walk with him, to be obedient to him. 
And as, as he has expressed his words to me through the Scriptures and how he speaks to me by his Spirit through the Scriptures, he calls me into an obedient life. And it's very simple. <laughs> it's not easy. It's very simple. Is We follow him. We obey him. He shows us in his word how to live. He teaches us. His word, his spirit in us helps us understand. It brings levels of conviction. It assists us in prayer for help in this. But God gives us his word to show us the life of Christ. And we follow him. In 1 John 2, 6, it says, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So your steps ought to be like the steps of Jesus. They ought to be steps of obedience. You know, when you're teaching kids things, you know, you think about the time they're born and they're in your home and get ready to go to school, kindergarten, first grade, all the way up. What's the most, the first and basic thing they learn to do is obey. That, and if they don't learn to obey, they're going to have a hard time all the way through life. <laughs> and obedience Really, when, when you obey the teachings of Christ, brings blessing. It, it brings blessing. It, it is the path. It does, it's not a path without hardship, but His presence is there because He's there. In John 15, it says, If you abide in Me and abide in My Word, you'll ask what you will, it shall be done to you. In John 8, 32, it says, If you continue in My Word, then are you My true disciples. And really, it's... it's it's simple in this. Just keep in step with Jesus. Just keep in step with Jesus. Galatians 5.25, it says, if we, if we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. And so when I get up each day, why, why do I always say, be in the Word, be in the Word? Get up your U version, see the verse of the day. You say, well, I like reading a lot more than that. Then, hey, read the, read the whole Bible. I mean, but read a verse. Get in the Word. You know, um, I, I don't want to tell you... You know, if you could, if you could uh, just read one verse a day and really think about it and, and let it sink deep into you and follow it, I'd be good with that. Now, if you're going to say to me, I read the whole Bible this morning and I don't remember anything I read, then we're not getting anywhere. All you did is check off a box for being religious. So if, if you're all about checking boxes off, that's not going to get you close to Jesus. But you get one verse or one passage, or one section, or one chapter, and you stop and think about it, and meditate upon it, and seek to follow that, your life begins to change. You cannot walk with Christ. You cannot follow Him apart from the Scriptures. And, and today, we have more access with more Bibles. I would probably say that most of our homes have Bibles stacked around here and there, and, we've got, and you can get on version, pick any translation you want, and you can have it in big font to read. <laughs> So there are no excuses. <clears throat> you know, it used to be that uh, in, in, in times in history, someone would have one little piece of paper, and, and I'd read about these uh, prisons in Russia where they'd have one little piece of paper that, that had a, a few verses of 1 John on it, and they, they would hide it and pass it to the other prisoners. That's all they had. You've heard stories like that too. Now we just have an abundance of resources. But I think sometimes... The abundance of all of it crowds out the simplicity of one verse with a message to your heart for you to respond in faith to the Lord and become more like Jesus. But it's his invitation. Come follow me. There are believers uh, that say, you know what, I just, you know, I got my ticket to heaven. (laughs) 
I got my ticket to heaven punched. I, I asked Jesus into my heart. I'm going to heaven. I don't really... that Walking with him, you know, have you seen the way his life goes? <laughs> They're not interested in that. Now, to be honest with you, I really wonder about the first part if they've really come to Jesus because that's not natural. The desire to follow him is the natural thing. I've been to a number of places in the world that I, I get a little bit nervous about. Uh, just because I'm not familiar with the area. There are no street signs, and uh, I've never been there before. Uh, I think the, probably the most uh, startling place I've ever been to was Bombay, India. It's called, it's called, the city's called Mumbai now. But I had to spend the night there to catch another plane the next morning to another city. So they said, oh, get off the plane and get in the hotel. And they said, um, there's, a, there's a hotel in the other you know, part of town. So I, I get off the plane, and uh, what makes it worse is I've got my son Reed with me, and he's like 14, you know, and he's looking to dad to be his great leader, you know. And I, and I, and I, and I walk out of the security area, and, and it's just instantly humid. And no one's speaking English. And, and people are just pressing on me, and they're all drivers of taxis. And I said, I'm looking uh, for someone to pick up Matt Olson. Oh, yes, that's me. Oh, yes, that's me. Oh, they all said that was them. <laughs> and I thought, what am I going to do? I mean, I, I don't, uh, they're, not, they're not reading directions. And I, I got into uh, what they call the auto rickshaw that they have. It's like a rickshaw. And you, those of you who have been over there know what I'm talking about. And we started going. And I, I, I said, I don't know where we're going, but I know we're not going to the right place. Now I'm not even close to the airport. And uh, as you can see, I survived, so I'm still here. <laughs> but it was, it, was, uh, it was kind of traumatizing because you don't know the language. You've never been there before. You, you don't know what you're vulnerable to. You've got your son with you. And uh, it, it was a, kind of a fearful experience. And I've had that uh, when I've gone to Nairobi. I've, I've had that when I've been in Beijing. I had, had Diane with me there. I had Ross with me. And I always have someone with me that I'm trying to, trying to be in charge and help lead and be responsible. But, uh, and then the, um, one of the worst places was New York City. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but I think the difference that was made is when I, if I would land at the airport, and I've got a really good friend in India. His name is G.S. Nair, and he lives in the southern tip, Trivandrum. And I was over there helping him with his college and seminary. And, um, but when he's there to meet me at the airport, I don't worry about a thing. I don't pay attention to where we're turning, what we're doing, or what we're going to eat. I just know, I just know that we're going to eat good food, which he'd get me to the best places. I, I'm going to stay in a safe place. I don't worry about a thing. I don't worry about a thing. As long as I have him in my line of sight, <laughs> we're okay. The same way when I went to New York City, uh, I had a friend there and, and, uh, you know, I just stuck with him. And this is the way the Christian life is designed, uh, for you to walk with Jesus. And you're not going to have everything figured out. The one thing you do have to figure out is you walk with Him. And you, you do that daily. You get up daily. I'm in the Word. I'm listening to His voice speak to me. I'm responding in faith to take the steps that He wants me to take. And, and that is the way the Christian life is lived. Just the same way you have faith to jump up in His arms for salvation, you have faith to take every step of the way in following Him. But you take, you say, well, I got the map. I'm going to go my own way. You won't do well. You'll be walking through a minefield. You'll be filled with the distractions. 
and you'll miss the blessing that God has for you. Again, simple, but not easy. We ought to walk as he walked. Do you remember the uh, little poem? You may have seen it on cards, uh, Footprints in the Sand, where it's described of, you know, the footprints you see of two people walking together of you and Christ. And then, you know, Lord, where were you when there's only one set of footprints you abandoned me? He said, no, that's the time that I was carrying you. I like that. Like that's not Bible, uh, but the principle is there that your your point is to stay with him. And it is not a perfect walk. This is what we need to understand. It is filled with stumbling, falling, failing. I love this verse in Proverbs twenty four sixteen. It says, For though a righteous man or righteous person falls seven times, that rise up again. You know what that verse is saying? Is that the walk that we have is not going to be a perfect walk. You're going to stumble and fall. You get up and you go again. You just keep, you know, so I'm following Christ, I fell down. I follow Christ, I fell down. And we're going to do that until we get to heaven when we don't fall down. But don't be discouraged when you fail. Just lift up your head, get an eye on Him again, and stay with Him. I'd like to ask you, this morning, are you following Jesus? You may believe in Jesus. You may have trusted Him as your Savior, but are you daily following Him? That is His second invitation. The third invitation that He has is, come be with me. Come be with me. And we find this in Mark three thirteen and 14. It says, Jesus went up on the mountainside and called to Him those He wanted, and they came to Him. And He appointed 12 that they might be with Him and then that he might send them out to preach. This is, uh, he had spent all night praying. He says, I'm, I'm ordaining you, and I'm calling you to come and be with me. Now, this point is, you know, we have believing on him in salvation. We have following him in obedience. But now we have coming to know him as your friend, your intimate friend. And that takes time. It takes solitude. It takes listening. But I wonder how many Christians would say that, you know, he's my friend. He's my friend. We talked uh, last week about the necessity of margin, how that you can't have quality of relationship without margin in your life. And I, and I think probably all of us would say, I need margin. I need margin. <laughs> I don't have any margin. That's why we're all stressed out. You can't have a good marriage. You can't have a good relationship with anyone. Most importantly, you can't have a good relationship with Christ if there is no margin, there is no time that you've not protected that. And I think there are many believers who are saved and they are obedient. They try to read their Bible every morning and they say, okay, you know what, I read my devotions and I'm off for the day. And then they don't even think about it the rest of the day. Here's how it's different. You're a believer... You read the Word, God's speaking to you, you're meditating on something, but all day long you're talking, you're having this conversation. You're having this conversation about everything that comes up. You're talking to God about, like I, like I said earlier, hey God, what's that, about? What's that all about? <laughs> what was that all about? I got a flat tire today, I'm, I'm trying to spiritualize how that's going to form my character or, or lead me to talk to somebody, or you know, I'm thinking, Lord, what's that all about? But you're having an ongoing conversation with Him, and He's your friend. 
And that's what Jesus said. He said, you know, you're not my servants. If a, a, a master doesn't tell his servants what he's doing, but you're my friends. I've called you friends. I've called you friends. And you in, what his design is, he invites you into his life. Can you? This is the most amazing thing, I think, in all of Scripture, that he invites us into a personal, real relationship. As a friend. That's amazing. And we get to enjoy his presence, the knowledge of the things that he's speaking to us, and all day long enjoy that. And I, and I think that there are so many Christians that never get to that point because they, they, they compartmentalize their Christianity. You know what? It's Sunday I go to church, and in the morning I have my devotions, and then I go do life. And we don't think about Him unless we're really at the end of our rope. And it's like, we have exhausted every other means. Lord, help! But what it looks like is this on, ongoing conversation. And what happens? What, there is a transforming work. Because when we are with Him and knowledgeable of His friendship, we become like Him. You've heard the expression in Proverbs, you know, that... Uh, Man is known by the company he keeps. He's known by his friends. Well, when your friend is Jesus and you're hanging out with Jesus all the time, you begin to be like him. And that's what had happened to the disciples in Acts chapter 4. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that these men had been with Jesus. They thought, these guys are different. They are different. And I wonder if someone were to say about you, not just that you're different, because that's probably, we get that. They are so different. How are they different? Well, they're just like Jesus. Now, this is the thing that started eating at me in December. You know, Matt, you may go do this and do this and do this and do this and serve me here and serve me here, but how do you represent to this world Jesus? In line at King Super's? in the slow lane on the highway, in every circumstance of life, the greatest contribution that I could ever make to this world is to live my life like Jesus. It's who I am, not what I do. And that, that includes pastors. That includes pastors. You know, if I... If I and, I and I started thinking through this, and... Um, you know, if all I do is provide good pastoral care and preach good sermons and um, manage things well for the church and you learn a lot and grow in your faith, what good is that? What Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. I used to think, man, that, I, don't th- I don't know that I'm ready to say that yet. I don't know if I'm ready to say, okay, Valley, <laughs> I want you to, Follow me this week. Do like I do. Now, Paul knew he would slip up. I mean, he, he knew that. He wasn't being arrogant about this. But, but his passionate pursuit was to walk with Jesus and to live with Jesus and to be like Jesus. And he said, I'm gonna, I want to give you a, a physical, visible representation of what that looks like. What that looks like. You know, there's nothing better you'll ever give to your kids Men, there's nothing better you'll ever give to your wife. Wives, nothing better you'll give to your friends 
in a life like Jesus. Your whole character becomes like Him because you spent all your time with Him. You're always aware of Him. You're thinking of Him. You're responding to Him. You're speaking to Him. And this is an invitation. The final invitation that I see is go and I will be with you. Go and I will be with you. And I take that from Matthew 28, the last of that uh, gospel account. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. What that, what that means when he says go make disciples of all nations is, is go make followers of Jesus. And how do you do that? Well, it's like Paul said, I'm following Jesus. Hey, follow me. I'm following Jesus. Follow me. I'm following Jesus. I'm not perfect. He is. But everything about my life is becoming more and more like him. And that doesn't just count for now. It counts for eternity. Because no, no contribution that I make on a temporal level of catching fish and selling fish, and making money, and building stuff is going to last for eternity. And nothing we do of the physical sense is as important as what we do with people. He says, go. Your assignment is to continue sharing this message. And I liken it to this. Is that Jesus came and said, come to me. Come follow me. Come be with me. The, the nature of an invitation is what he wants us to be doing as well, inviting people to Jesus. See, well, that's kind of hard to do because I feel nervous about it. <laughs> I do too. I just tell you, I get nervous every time I do it. Um, every time I get in a situation where I feel, I feel like, you know what, I would share something about Christ to a person, I get nervous about it. So uh, don't feel weird about that. But I think you it's the greatest story ever told. It's the most wonderful thing. And I think where we start is, Lord, just, just bring the right circumstances, bring the right people, work in their hearts the way you want to work, and I just make me ready for it. And can I tell you this? You will be surprised. You will be shocked how people will come up and bring it up to you. And you're thinking, where'd that come from? <laughs> well, you're praying about it. And if you just keep building bridges and building relationships, and loving on people the way Jesus loved on people. You know, when he first met people, he didn't say, if you died today, would you go to heaven? He didn't say that. You know what he usually said? What do you want? What do you need? I want to see. I want to walk. He cared about the individual. And I can tell you this, when you care about them being able to walk and being able to see and practical needs and, and genuine love and care for people and just where they are in life, it starts to open up their heart. And they see the life of Jesus in you. And then they say, you know, I've been thinking. And all of a sudden, it's like it's right before you, being able to share the gospel. When you love people like Jesus, the doors begin to open up. You begin to see the, the needs around you, and they begin asking you questions. So we invite others. What's the worst thing that can happen when you invite someone to something? You know, they say no. And I think in nine weeks, it's going to be Easter. I thought about this this morning. I'm thinking nine weeks, it's going to be Easter. And I thought, who can I invite and not just inviting people to church, but inviting people to your home or inviting people to go out to eat or do something or invite a friend to go do something you like to do. Spend time with them. Jesus is calling us into relationship all the way through. See, every invitation is a call to relationship. 
This is the purpose of your life is, is relationship with Jesus. That's the purpose of it. And, and when you follow that by saying yes to the invitation, you become like Him and represent Him. So these are the invitations. And I just, uh, as we conclude this morning, the first, come to me. Come to me. Come to Jesus. Believe. Believe in Him. Put your trust in Him for salvation, for eternal life. Follow Jesus. Every day, in obedience to His Word, you read His Word, you, don't, you, you think about it, you meditate upon it, you follow that in obedience. You follow His steps. Be with me in friendship. Jesus wants to be friend. He wants to be there all the time. And as you do that, He is molding your life to be like Him. And then go with Jesus. He doesn't send you out alone. He says, go and I'll be with you. And He lets us be involved in the, the work that matters. The work that matters. You know, I, I was working as a machinist years ago, and um, so I banned textile machinery, and we, we made parts for textile machines. And I, I worked from 3.30 to midnight, and I went to, to grad school during the day. So I'd stand at this milling machine, and we'd run parts. And I'd always kind of get my machine tuned up so I could make as many parts as I, I would eat. I'd eat my lunch right through. And um, so I'm making all these, and I'm, and I'm trying to make as much money as I can to pay my school bill so I can get married <laughs> and uh, come to Colorado. And so I'm just running parts, running parts, running parts. Well, they started hiring a bunch of these immigrants, um, and they, none of them spoke English. They're all from Cuba. And they actually let them live in the um, factory. They were working the day shift, and they were living over there. And so I'd see them over there, and, and they all spoke Spanish. And I took two years of Spanish, but, it, you know, I mean, so all of a sudden I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of these guys, you know, they're, they're here in the U.S. I said, I wonder if they know, know Christ. And um, I used to tell Diana, I said, I'm so excited. I come back, I'm learning Spanish, I'm learning Spanish, I'm working on my Spanish. She said, what are you doing? I said, all these guys, they don't know the Lord. They don't know the Lord. And um, so I'm brushing up on Spanish, and all of a sudden they're bringing me rice and beans. That's their favorite stuff to eat, you know, rice and beans and have a little meat in it. And they're bringing food, and they're sitting, sitting. Uh, now I'm taking my, my lunch break, and I'm staying after work. And uh, in time, I saw several of those guys come to Christ. And I wasn't even looking for that. All I'm looking for is just running parts, running parts, running parts. And, and here's the thing. Whatever you do, whatever you do, you know, we can run parts, run parts, run parts. They get put on machines that break and are thrown away. And at the end of your life, that's all you have. But it's these people that come along, the people that come along. And so I would just challenge you to pray, to pray. Lord, help me to be like you in inviting people. So I invited those guys to sit down and eat lunch, and I invited them to talk, and I invited, you know, and then at the very end, I invited them to trust Jesus as their Savior. It didn't happen just all at once. And, and you don't do it alone. That's the great part about it. He doesn't just stick you out there and go do it. He says, you go, I'll be with you. And I could sense his presence all the way through. So when I think back, and I'll look, I'll look back someday over my life, and I'll think, what really mattered? What really mattered? And what really matters is people. And, uh, and I'm so thankful that we have a Savior that loves us so much and invites us into his life. And when we say yes, we say yes to these things, then we have a life that's filled with purpose and with meaning.
and it is a successful life. To come to Him, to follow Him, to be with Him, to go, and that He is with us. And my prayer is that for every one of us, we'll have a Jesus life to live in this world. Father, we thank You so much for Your Word. It's so challenging, uplifting. And we think of the way that You have approached us, um, not beating us over the head, not driving us in fear, not... We know you're a holy God and you, you, you're one to be feared, but Lord, you've come to us and really expressed your love for us and sending your son. And then, and then for you to invite us, Lord, we feel so blessed. And I just pray that, that no one here would say no to any of that, to coming to you, to following you, to being with you, or to going and inviting others, that we, we would say, Lord, only with you, only with you. We want to do that. And I pray that our, our joy might just be overflowing as we find just supreme purpose and meaning in our lives and as a church family. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.